Hello, I'm Harvey Lockhart. I'm the founder, executive, and artistic director for Heal Center for the Arts. Welcome to our Intellectual Artist Series Student Podcast. This student-led podcast is where our students learn and discuss the arts discipline that they're studying from the history, the culture, the business behind it, anything you can think of arts related, our students are talking about it. Stay tuned and we know that you'll enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to Hill Center for the Arts Intellectual Artist Series podcast. My name is Asia Brantley and I'll be your host. So today we're going to continue our talk about Ernie Wilkins and his tribute to not only St. Louis, but as well as jazz. And so today we actually have the chance to interview his brother, Billy Wilkins. And as you know, previously, we've been talking with a few other students to talk about his legacy and the impact he had here in St. Louis, as well as in places like Denmark. And we've had the chance to talk on more of that. And we hope you guys really enjoy this episode. We've been working on this project for Ernie Wilkins. And I would say like the main goal of this project is to really get to know him, get to understand who he was and to know like where our music comes from. Because as a young jazz musician, I know I haven't been playing jazz for too long. And I would say I really started like my freshman year getting into um, jazz and playing like with the big band and everything. Um, and so our North County big band, we've done a few projects dedicated to like a few, you know, really significant musicians. And the first project we did this year was actually um, kind of like a tribute to Duke Ellington. And we know that he's really known, like he's really known by so many musicians. Like if you don't know him and you're a jazz musician, you probably live under a rock. But <laughs> um, so now it's Ernie Wilkins. And prior to this project, I didn't know who he was and I hadn't heard about him. I hadn't heard much about him. And so I'm really excited to be doing this project to get to know him because he's like a, what well, he is a St. Louis legend. And so the first question I just wanted to ask was, who was Ernie Wilkins to you? He's my oldest brother. The one was lots of fun, well liked, and we were very proud of, even when he was in local mode as a local musician playing around the St. Louis city. So the other brother also was a musician, which was Jimmy Wilkins. And they were, you know, age-wise a lot closer. To me, they were so very close together. And um, often played together. So um, he played around town in his young days quite a bit and involved uh, and moved to New York, stayed in New York for many, many years. Then he started commuting from New York to Copenhagen, Denmark, where he uh, married and adopted two kids. Mm -hmm. And so I know you said um, that him and Jimmy were really close. And so I read a lot about them and how when like their career took off, it wasn't like Ernie's, you know, took off by himself. And like he was really known for arranging, but when you, you know, read a lot about them, like read the newspapers and different things um, about them, it always says that um, like when they first got started, it really started when Clark Terry introduced them to Basie. And together he was like, well, I want both of you guys to come along. And so he got both Jimmy and, you know, Ernie to both go along with them. So do you recall anything about that? Like when they first started working with Basie or how was that for like you and your family? Yeah, I do recall when he went with the Basie band, although I was quite young, I understood it very clearly because we listened to a lot of music all the time. And um, we were very happy about that. 
uh, seems like that was uh, a good place for him to be at that time. And, uh, a lot developed as a result of being with the Basie band because he also did a lot of things for the band. Uh, I don't know if you recall uh, the singer Joe Williams. Yes. Every day I have the blues. Ernie played a role in writing that popular song that you hear all the time. Uh, Every day I have the blues. Yes. Um, and it's funny that you say that. Every day I have the blues was actually one of the first tunes I'd ever like sang because I do trumpet and jazz vocal. And I remember the first jazz camp I went to, um, Mr. Harvey Lockhart, you know, um, the first jazz camp that I went to of his, that was like the first song that I'd done. And while it probably wasn't his arrangement, it was, it was just like really crazy to think about because I'm like, what? It's like every day I have the blues. And I remember um, even Mr. Harvey Lockhart was really like, wow, like, you know, he did that. Like, you know, him and Joe Williams. So that was like really exciting to know. Yeah, I'll kind of ask him and another gentleman. I don't recall the other gentleman's name was in the band to write something for Joe. And Joe Williams, Joe Williams. And they came up with that. And, at the time, uh, Count was doing well, but he wasn't doing as well as he should have been doing. And every day I had the blues came out, and he became uh, up again because his uh, visibility started uh, climbing again. And that was uh, one of the numbers. And then the other number that they did for Jill was All Right, OK. I don't know if you have heard that one or not. I have heard that one, but I haven't, I probably haven't heard um, his arrangement. But it's just, I don't, it's really incredible to just hear and just know like Ernie Wilkins did that. And it's like really proud being the St. Louis native. And the fact that like I haven't heard much about him prior to this project, I'm really just happy and like excited that this project can, you know, do that. Well, you know, looking back, you had to look way, way back, 1955. At the time I was in the military, but he also did an album for Sarah Vaughn called mm -hmm. Sarah Vaughn, Land of High Five. And that album really exploded. It was really, really a hot album. And Sarah was at her best on that album. And also, that was the first time I'd ever heard of Cannonball Atlee and that Atlee on that particular album. Mm -hmm. And I was used to listen to a lot of jazz. and. We were in high school, we liked jazz, you know, of course they didn't have hip hop out then, but <laughs> the Miles Davis all the time. Right. Um, I don't know, things changed uh, over time, but uh, we were really into the jazz in high school. Uh -huh. But 1955 was uh, the year that Sarah came out uh, with Ernie doing the arrangements. And my favorite tune on that particular album was Over the Rainbow, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Uh -huh. uh, I think that was the first tune on, on the recording, too. That was really beautifully done. And I would have to say, Sarah Vine is actually one of my favorite jazz vocalists. Like, I love her so much. She's absolutely amazing. Um, and with that being said, like how you say his career um, and how, like, um, all the, you know, great people he's gotten a chance to work with. How would you describe his career? It was, you know, a roller coaster, so to speak, like most music, most musicians experience peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, stay on top, and then you're down, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, and sometimes your period of being up is 
much longer in your valleys, you know, but uh, he hung in there and uh, made a life out of it. He just did quite well. Like, has there ever been like a time when, you know, he was probably at his lowest and like you guys, like the family may have come together to like help him or even how he said that um, when he moved to Denmark, that he was able to get more done and things like that. So what was that like for the family? Well, the move to Denmark was, you know, rather, I guess it wasn't surprising because he commuted to Europe. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if you call it frequently, but often enough. And he married uh, in Denmark and adopted the two kids. So that was his first family, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, he, I, I've been there to see him too before he passed away. I enjoyed Denmark. There's no language barrier, anything like that. And the musicians are really, really good over there. Um, we had a couple of them that come to St. Louis for his memorial that um, performed here in St. Louis. And I had met them while I was in Denmark, so I knew them well. And I uh, did a little cookout for them at my house. <laughs> so. And so I know you say you weren't surprised. So um, he talked about like in a few of the interviews that he did while in Denmark, he talked about how like his career kind of took off. You know, he he established his big band and he kind of felt that St. Louis was holding him back and that he wasn't able to accomplish as much as he would have liked while he was here. Well, I think he did. I think uh, it had a tremendous impact on his life when he moved here. He's a very popular, very popular. As a matter of fact, they have a street name after him in Copenhagen. So he was well, very popular, very respected. And they love the arts in, in Copenhagen. You know, so it's, you know, it's not surprising. They have a lot of talent. So. As far as like um, his life in Copenhagen, Denmark, and everything like that. So would you say that it was best for him to go to Denmark or do you think it probably wouldn't have mattered? I don't know. It's, it's kind of, he still commuted back to New York and he did several things in New York, even though he lived in Denmark as well. Mm -hmm. Some of the things, uh, I don't know why we can't find them, but he had another album out called Blood, Sweat, and Brass. And all the instruments, there were no reed instruments on the album. But Ernie didn't really like the album for some reason. I loved it. But uh, he didn't like it. So then there's another album he put out called Four Black Immortals. And uh, I don't know why we can't find that. I had my copy, and you give it to somebody, it never comes back to you, you know. So uh, he was still active, you know, on New York scene somewhat. And uh, I guess there was so much to do in Europe until. He stayed much busier than he would have been in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And I know you um, also spoke on some of the, like some of your favorite arrangements, like um, the one with Sarah Vaughn and the album he did with her. And so what would you say is probably like one of your top, like number one arrangements that he did? Number one? I think the, the biggest album I ever remember was just that Sarah Vaughn album. That was the one that really stays in my, my head. Yeah, really. I don't know if you've heard that. Or not. 
No, I haven't. And I really need to listen to it because I love Saravon and I'm pretty sure it's amazing. You gotta hear that one, you know. But see, you know, what happened, you know, probably long before you uh, you grew up, um, the old mono records were kind of draggy, mm-hmm. you know. They was, but when Hi-Fi came out, it made a very distinct difference in music. Matter of fact, all the clubs in St. Louis just have a sign in the window, we have Hi-Fi. <laughs> and people go into the clubs because they have the Hi-Fi. Get mm-hmm. that distinct sound. It had a greater impact than stereo. Had when it when it came out when High Five came out, and uh, I think that's another reason why the Cervine album was was well received too. That's the transition from the old mono slow dragging music to the High Five. Right. Probably like you know us wrapping up, and so. For my last question that I have for you, is there anything that you would like to share with our audience and with us about something that maybe someone never knew about Ernie or just something that's like really personal or something that you'd like us to know? Well, we were young, you know, something called a penny postcard. And that was our way of communicating. This is something you have to try to ask your grandparents and great-grandparents about, maybe. And we communicate by a penny postcard in the mail. It's cost one penny. And uh, we write each other like that to keep in touch, you know, when they were in the Navy and at Wilberforce College. Mm-hmm. They both, Jimmy and Henry went to Wilberforce College in Ohio. And um, they would come home and we'd get out, we'd have fun, you know. And, uh, we had a, a great time. But he was from a huge family, like my father had eight brothers and two sisters. That's something that a lot of people don't know, okay? And so we had a huge family uh, at one time. And uh, lots of cousins, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when Ernie would come in town, we'd all all get together. You know, Ernie or Jimmy, we'd all get together, just have a eat out or, you know, and just laugh and talk and share some thoughts. It was always a, a great day when they would come and down because they're out of town so much. And I can say I can actually relate because I have a big family as well. I'm actually the youngest of 13 and I, it's only, well, I have, you know, 11 sisters and only two brothers and I'm the youngest of 13 and I don't have a whole bunch of cousins because like I have my siblings, but all my siblings, you know, and their children, they have, you know, it's like my nieces and nephews, they have like a whole bunch of cousins. So it's just all of them and our get togethers are always like a party, (laughs) even if it's just, you know, the immediate family. So I can relate to that. That's like really cool. Right, right. Well, you know, it's it's, uh, quite different now because everybody got older, everybody does deceased now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it seems like it's a little lonely compared to yesterday, so to speak, you know, so. Yeah. Um, then Jimmy died in 2018. Oh. I think Harry died in, in uh, I think he died in 97. And so, uh, I'm, uh, 
I'm still here, but I'm 85 now. <laughs> I'm getting up to an age. Right. Right. But I played music when I was young. I played. I could play better at eight than I can at eighty. <laughs> <laughs> Were you inspired by um, Jimmy and Ernie? Oh, I was discouraged. You know, it was hard. You know, and, uh, the struggle was rather hard. And I guess, I guess, uh, I had a horn. You know, and I started off playing what they call a C melody saxophone. I don't know mm -hmm. if you're okay with that. But there was a teacher who lived in the city, inner city. And most of the people my age went to Mr. Slaughter's house for saxophone lessons. And he provided the C melody saxophones. Then eventually I got a real alto, you know, and then I just didn't have the passion for it. I just didn't have the passion for it. That's what it takes. You gotta have a passion for it, you know. I still play in in the garage, you know, <laughs> I can't entertain anybody by myself, but I still play. Right. You know, I, can, I can still read music, you know, but uh, that's, that's about it. And so um, before we go, I did just want to ask more about different things he did here in St. Louis. And so, you know, here we have our Jazz Edge Orchestra. And so do you remember or recall any of the projects or his workings with that band or anything like that? I think he came here to direct the band. It might have been Jimmy. I don't know which one came. Well, Jimmy came to direct the band with Don Cunningham. He's another St. Louis that migrated to Las Vegas. He's a percussionist, really. And, uh, he's still in Vegas. And they used to do uh, a combination of things together in Vegas. And um, I think uh, a lot of the music that the band currently has was given to uh, Don Cook and uh, George Davis by uh, by Jimmy's uh, wife that Ernie had written over the years. They flew down to Vegas and picked it up and got it back to uh, St. Louis. Um, I don't know, I would go out with him and he would play, you know, because I couldn't play anything. But I'd, I'd sit there and listen to him play and the other group play, but, you know, I uh, just never had the passion for it. All right. Took a different career path. And we want to thank you so much for joining us today. That was all the questions I had and I really enjoyed, you know, just talking about Ernie Wilkins and his legacy and the different things he did, not only here in St. Louis, but also in Denmark. So thank you so much again. Um, I really did enjoy having this talk with you. And I really do hope you have the rest and nice of your day. All right, thank you. I wish you the very best in your career. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Our Ernie Wilkins series is in collaboration between Heal Center for the Arts and the Jazz Edge Orchestra. Our student musicians are members of the North County Big Band in collaboration with the Sheldon Concert Hall. Special thanks goes out to the Sheldon for the audio and visual recordings of the students, the Cranesburg Arts Foundation for providing the space to record this series, and the Wilkins family for your support. This series was made possible by the financial support of the Missouri Arts Council and the Regional Arts Commission. Our director and founder is Harvey Lockhart, our production manager and designer is Brandon Brinkley. 
Thanks for joining us. If you are enjoying our series, please like and subscribe to our Intellectual Artist Series wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about our programs, please visit us on our website at www.healhealcenterforthearts.org. Again, that's www.healhealcenterforthearts.org. And while you're there, go ahead and make a tax-deductible donation to further support our work. Thank you, and we'll catch you next time.